You're now listening to The Social Hour. They're not PC. So if occasional foul language turns you off, then you have all been warned. This is the call before the storm. All seven of us in this moose are real sorry. Get ready for the social hour. Live from a mid-level chain hotel in Las Cruces, New Mexico. This is the social hour. On today's show, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman. And now your host. Happy that he exclusively stays at hotels where the rooms are on the inside of the building now. Dees Casillas. Malabkeen, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Social Hour. I am Dees. What is up, everyone? Thank you for hanging out, coming around for another episode. This is a uh, fun one for me. I... I uh, have co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman, on the show today. We're going to hang out with him uh, in just a few minutes. It's a brief interview, but man, I will take it. Um, you know, the obviously as a child of the 80s, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were instrumental in my upbringing. And oh boy, what a fun time uh, talking to Kevin. He was great. As you'll soon see, he was very nice, very gracious. Uh, we got to talk a little before and after the interview, and man, what a nice guy. Um, it's one of these press junket things where, you know, they're doing, they get, they get someone that actually organizes these and runs them, and what they'll do is they'll be like, okay, you get 10 minutes with, you know, KZRQ in fucking Cincinnati, then you're going to do... Uh, 10 minutes from 10.30 to 10.40 with Squeaky and the Bear in Peon Prairie, Iowa. And then you're going to, from 10.40 to 10.50, you're going to do 10 minutes with Dees Casillas in the social hour, you know? And they just bop, 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 these 10-minute blocks. So it's funny when you do these. I've done a couple of these with people when they do these press junkets. And it's, um, you know, a lot of people just, it's terrible. They just want to get through them. They just have to do them. So they plow through them as fast as possible. You know, um, it's just just like like chubby girls at a nightclub. You just go through them as fast as you can. Um, and he was, Kevin was nice though. He was very, uh, he wanted to keep talking. He invited me to uh, reach out again to for a longer interview next time. So uh, hopefully we'll see Kevin back around on the show uh, and get to talk to him a little longer. But man, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what a, what a thing. What a behemoth, right? I mean, this is something that was created. I don't know if you guys know the history of this comic book much, but or people didn't realize it was even a comic book. First, most people recognize it from the, you know, cartoon and then the movies and then the kind of uh, marketing behemoth that it became but originally it was this little comic book independently produced they produced i don't know maybe three thousand copies of this black and white comic book that's pretty raw pretty gritty um, it was considered just a one-off they didn't plan on doing more issues if you read it it's it's essentially the whole first Ninja Turtles movie minus Casey Jones 
in one comic book. I mean, it's it's got a beginning, middle, end. Shredder's dead at the end of it. Uh, sorry, you know, no spoiler alert from a comic book from 1986. Uh, <laughs> Shredder dies, and you know they they didn't plan on doing this this again. But then they found out retailers were reaching out to me like this thing sold out. Can do you have more? So they did a reprinting, a second printing, a third printing. I think, I think they did four or five printings to the point where they had, you know, at that point, a couple, you know, 10,000 or so, maybe even more copies of this book. And they're like, well, we got to do an issue number two. Um, and it kind of took off. Um, the crazy thing is that by issue about number seven, you know, maybe nine, something like that, nine issues in of this little independent black and white comic book, they were already fielding offers to get, that's about the time, you know, 1989, when this licensing company came along to get the um, rights to this, to make it into a toy line, to make it into a cartoon. And that's when it really hit like the national zeitgeist. That's some people knew about it before that. No one knew what Ninja Turtles was besides, you know, your, a few comic book nerds. Um, and again, the funny thing is this comic book, the original comic book is raw, it's gritty, it's dark, um, and it is nothing like the cartoon. You know, they don't eat pizza, shock, hate to break it to you, no pizza. Um, actually went recently and bought this collected edition of the original uh, seven issues of the comic book series on Amazon. And I'm reading the reviews just because I like to read the stupid shit people post online. It's the reason I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um, the And this, some, you can tell, some older white lady, I'm sure, some Karen, she posts, gives it a one-star review. And then she goes, this isn't for kids at all. This is very adult and it's dark and there's swearing and violence. I'm like, lady, that doesn't mean it's a bad product. It means you're too dumb to research what you're buying for your children. Have some goddamn oversight, be an adult, and know what you're getting your kids, you know? There's different versions of things. I hate to tell you this, there's porn versions of Marvel movies, you know? Do you download that for your kid and be like, here, watch Captain America, you know? And the Black Widow get fucking gangbanged by Thanos in these infinity stones, except his stones are his balls, you know? Like, you gotta be a parent, actually. Uh, but uh, this was, I was happy to talk to Kevin, and uh, hopefully we'll get him on again. Uh, before we, we uh, get to the interview, a um, couple things. I did recently, I think since, God, since the last episode, maybe, I released uh, the special, finally came out, Not Your Cup of Tea is now available. Um, uh, go to dececomedy.com. You can purchase it. It is available uh, exclusively on my YouTube uh, for download. We're doing donation only right now, so basically whatever you want to pay, um, you know, you can pay. Most people are doing like $150. Um, you can do, you know, five, ten bucks, whatever. You can even do a dollar. It's a dick move, but you can do it. You donate a buck, you'll get a copy of the uh, the special, which was filmed in Bozeman, Montana at Last Best Comedy Club, one of my favorite clubs to perform at. And this was a, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, doing the specials, a lot of fun editing it. I think it turned out really great. The uh, it, it looks awesome, and I, I hope you all take the time to to buy it, see it, 
you know, I mean, honestly, you know, it sounds funny, a dollar, you can pay a dollar and get this thing. But I'd rather, I, I, this is not something I'm trying to get rich on. I just want people to watch it because I had a lot of fun doing it. There were a lot of great people involved in the making of it, um, kind of. I kind of did most of it, uh, but we had, you know, the club was great um, and just the years of putting this material together. So I just want people to watch it, you know, watch it, pay a buck um, and um, pay five bucks. You could pay a little more. Here's the deal. You can pay a dollar uh, and I'll still, you'll still get the link. Um, but after PayPal fees, I get 47 cents of that. So again, not trying to get rich, but also, you know, maybe pay two bucks. So I at least get a dollar from this fucking thing. Um, but it's good. It's out there. I'm working on new material. I'm trying to figure out, uh, I'm, man, writing new material after, this is the first hour I filmed and you, the first hour takes the longest, you know, first cuts the deepest, right? And then, trying to build this new material part of the problem is i'm doing shows i'm on tour and you know people are buying tickets so you want to give them a good show so you got to give them some of the old stuff and some of the new stuff and i got to tell you man some of the new things popping around this old tin can of mine are pretty fucking wacky um so it's tough to uh not tough it's just interesting to see the process of building in a new hour on the road when the ideas you have are uh, insane. So, <laughs> uh, it's gonna come, uh, it's gonna work. Uh, I, you know, I'm taking a little time off. I've got uh, October off mostly. November, December, I've got some shows around the Southwest, uh, kind of staying close to home. First quarter of 2024, I'm gonna be working on a writing project. Uh, specifically uh, my comic book project that hopefully we'll have more news about soon but i'm uh, in the process of getting an artist to just do this thing and i think we're gonna just four wall it man after doing the special and uh producing all this stuff i think we're just gonna four wall it get this done and get it out there and see what happens so that's the next goal and then hopefully around summer 2024 uh this new hour will be mostly put together and i'll be able to get on the road and dump the fucking nightmare of ideas that I have to live with every day. What I tell people too is like, remember, when you, the things that come out of my head and you hear on stage or in this podcast or anything, uh, these are the ideas that I've disseminated, filtered, worked out on stage and decided this is what people need to hear. Um, so just imagine the fucking realm of chaos that is in my mind at all times. Okay, so have some pity on me. Uh, but go check out the special at deececomedy.com uh, or deece.comedy on Instagram. Uh, updates of everything going on. There's links on there in my bio also. Uh, follow me on Facebook, all that too. So lots of opportunity and uh, lots of chance to see me do comedy live, uh, especially if you're around the Southwest, mostly Texas. I'm going to do a ton of stuff around Texas. I'm uh, just trying to really build some of my rooms that I've producing out there and get on the road and uh, do those shows and kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, I like doing, it's nice, you know, it's nice getting to a point in your comedy career where you don't feel as much pressure to be on the road, um, you know, whether it's performance-wise or uh, financially, you know, things are going well where I can just kind of be like, you know, I don't want to spend a week in Duluth 
maybe I want to just be able to go to Houston for two nights and be home. I don't want to have to spend three weeks in Florida. So that's what I'm going to do, and it's good. It's nice. Um, Although I did just get back from two weeks in the Northwest, uh, that was nice because I, you know, people who have been listening to the show or know me know I lived in the Northwest for um, far too long, uh, longer than I wanted to. But it, you know, I've I've got some fond memories of it. I got to be all over Eastern Washington, Western Washington, um, Oregon. And oh my gosh, uh, y- you know, beautiful countryside minus the main cities. Portland's a nightmare. That city is just uh, gone to shit. But around it is beautiful, great hiking. Uh, I forgot how dense the woods are. Very quickly, I forgot how dense the woods are out there because I, you know, was out there one day hiking and I was walking around and I didn't see another person for an hour and a half. And all you see is these dense, tall, you know, fir trees, cedars, oaks, whatever they are. I'm not an arborist. And you're on this little trail. And I realized how quiet it is. I suddenly realized that I haven't heard a single noise except my footsteps in probably an hour. And I'm far away from civilization. There, I haven't heard a plane, a jet, a helicopter. I, I, and I stopped. I couldn't even fucking hear birds. It was so haunting. I'm like, am I dead? Is this purgatory? They got me thinking about Bigfoot. Now, like people say, a Bigfoot can't be real. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I think he's here right now. I think he's watching me. I think he might fucking, you know, murder and rape me in that order right now here in this woods. He's watching me as we speak, you know. And people are so dismissive about Bigfoot too. They're always like, oh, I've, I've never seen Bigfoot. How can he be real? I'm like, well, pff, I've never seen a Chinese person eat cheese. But, you know, now what? I believe anything's possible through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? You know, miracles happen. But it's, uh, uh, <laughs> it was uh, very haunting, but it was nice to be back, but also better to leave and be home. Um, the, uh, I've been, it did give me a chance to catch up on the news, being on the road for a while having some downtime during the day and man oh man is there a plethora of outrage still happening uh it's funny to hear you know the things that people complain about because i have heard more people get mad that drew barrymore was bringing back her show than i've heard people talk about you know the epstein client list and it's like what is really important to you folks it's not children getting trafficked Uh, It is that some celebrity might do a show and not pay her writers to come back. Fucking, what are you people really mad about? There's a certain group of people who, in this world, who I've dealt with this a lot in comedy in certain areas, uh, Missoula, Montana, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, among other places, uh, where outrage is just like a currency. And every situation that happens, these people, their response is just anger, no matter what. It's someone's fault. Someone did them wrong. Someone's out to get them. And I've had to just mute people on social media. I'm like, I can't deal with it. You just, everything is wrong all the time. Maybe it's your mindset. Maybe it's your outlook. Maybe you're a piece of shit. And you need to understand that, like, you have some control over what's happening around you. Um, 
And you being mad that Drew Marybore brought her show back together doesn't make you a better person. You know, you telling people like, what a piece of shit Drew Marymore is. It doesn't make you better. You are also a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. We've all done dumb things, not thought things through. You know, gives people a little grace, okay? She didn't do it. She apologized. People are still pissed at her. Or we have something like even as petty as like, so this comedian, Hassan... Hassan Minaj, who uh, I guess lied about some things in his specials, which, and people are mad about that. People are upset that he didn't tell the truth. Guys, wait until you find out that Jim Gaffigan doesn't even really like Hot Pockets. You're going to be astounded, okay? People make shit up all the time on stage. There's a, there's a saying in comedy, and it's fib until it's funny. So you can stretch, pull, and make stuff up to tell stories, in my opinion, in any way you want. Now, this is a little more complicated with Hassan because apparently he um, said some stuff that affected a lady he used to date. That, um, okay, that's a little personal. That sucks. Um, But, you know, let him deal with it. Let them deal with it personally. You don't have to support the guy anymore. But also, it's just art. People make mistakes. He was saying something to show a point. I don't think it was malicious. I think he was probably, in his heart, thinking, this is going to show... This He's trying to articulate that there's still a racial divide in this country. And there are still real problems. I don't think he was trying to actually demonize and hurt people. Intent is a big thing here, guys. So, you know what? Comedians make shit up. I don't give a shit. Say whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Just fucking shut up online about it. Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna, that's gonna, this is going to go into a, get into a deep, deep, deep hole uh, if, I, if I go too far into that. But um, So we're going to bring it into a lighter note. I'm going to go. We're going to cut to our guest. We're going to talk uh, to the great... Uh, artist, writer, creative mind, the architect of so many of our childhoods. Guys, uh, please welcome to the Social Hour, uh, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kevin Eastman. Good. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing just fine. Thanks. How about yourself? Do Happy it. Saturday. Yeah, you too. Thanks for uh, joining me. I know you got limited time and you're, on a, you're probably on a crazy schedule today, but I appreciate you being here. My pleasure. We, you know, press check is fun. I'd like to join and hang out with you guys for a little bit. And uh, yeah, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we'll just get right into it. My name is Dees. Uh, I uh, this is the the social hour. It's a show we've been doing for a long time. About got eight years now. So it's uh, uh, we've had a lot of comic book creators on. So uh, and obviously you're one of the uh, the legends in the game. Uh, first <laughs> first one to maybe break uh, open the independent scene in the comic book industry. Um, I want to ask you though. I'll just dive right into it. Um, you have done, you know, obviously most famous for Ninja Turtles. What is one of the things you've done that you're most proud of outside of Ninja Turtles in the comic book realm? I mean, I know you did things like Infection and these other, you know, you had Tundra for a while and all these other bo- series and uh, publishing companies. Yeah, it's 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 great to have had the variety experience, variety of experiences and, and to have done, you know, everything from the Wars and Pictures Museum, which was definitely one of my favorites um, uh, that I wish um, a little bit of planning, it would have endured more. Uh, Tundra, of course, was uh, fantastic on 
uh, for all the right reasons and and uh, uh, wrong reasons. Sure. Um, heavy, metal mag- <laughs> heavy Metal Magazine was an absolute dream come true, uh, running that for 20 uh, some odd years. Um, you know, personally, creatively, it's just, um, you know, the, the, the short stories and things, you know, like working with Simon Bisley was always a, a treat, you know, oh, Fistful yeah. of Blood and, and uh, some of the other things. But it was... You know, so when you have these, um, you know, things like infectious or zombie war or, you know, very angry, you know, just different kinds of things I've done. It's it's been short excursions and diversions because the turtles have always been the sort of the prevalent, uh, the, the 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 most important um, part of keeping everything going. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, it, and plus. I also really enjoy working on the turtles. So. Yeah, I mean, I imagine obviously it was, you know, at, at first a labor of love and then, you know, something that was just a, a machine in itself. Was that daunting ever? I mean, do you ever feel, I mean, obviously what a blessing and what an amazing thing you you co-created with Peter Laird. But do you ever yes. feel like it was kind of a gilded cage that kept you from doing other things you wanted to do? Well, you know, it's it's... It's a double-edged sword, you know, but yeah. No, no, but it's a good point because it is it's sort of be careful what you wish for and, and uh, on the one hand, but on the other hand, I mean, that, that was the dream. The dream was to draw comic books, you know, to follow sure. in the footsteps. You know, both Peter and I, we bonded over over Jack Kirby and many others that were big inspirations when we were younger. That was um, the childhood dream of, of being a, a storyteller of that, you know, in that medium. Um, and then once, you know, but, you know, having so much respect for a guy like Kirby who's created, who created so much. Yeah. You know, you, you feel like, you know, Oh man, you know, turtles is this really great idea that we love. Can't wait to do what to see what comes next. But when the turtles started working, it was like, Oh wow. So now I get to draw comics full time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, could be a year, could be two years, could be three, you know, who knows? I'm going to make sure, you know, work on my characters. And then there's always time for the, the, the others down the road. And so I think, um, Maybe at one time when uh, um, every moment of every day for 15 years was all, all turtles, you know, from the cartoon, you know, and, and no yeah. complaints or complaints. But, you know, when you're sure. when, you know, people think like, oh, they're just Peter and Kevin are on an island somewhere, you know, um, drinking martinis. And, uh, you know, we were working, you know, 90 hours a week, you know, yeah. we own the property. So we were working on the cartoon shows. We worked on the comic series. We were running uh, multiple businesses. And it was the fact that in one year you went from 90% of your time being creative and drawing and writing to in 10% of your time doing business to the complete opposite the following year. And this is probably 88 to 89. So yeah. that, that was, you know, again, I don't want it to sound a complaint because you it's be careful what you wish for. We sure. had our own creation. We owned our characters. Now we got to manage them. And uh, so you sort of pushing it back for a little while, do heavy metal, work with Simon, let some of the, you know, vent a little bit, do some other things, but then come back to uh, turtles with a fresh, fresh set of eyes and enjoy it for what you love, um, which is enjoying the storytelling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. Cause I mean, something that like that gets so big, so fast and, you know, bigger than I'm sure you ever, I mean, probably you dreamed about it, but it, I mean, I'm sure the anticipation wasn't there that, you know, 35 years later, you've got this mega, you know, what, you know, just a timeless creation. Um, it's amazing. Know. It really is. It's mind blowing, you know, quite humbling, to be honest. You know, you, you sort of go like, you know, because um, to me, it's as a fan, as well as a, 
a fan of the, the pop culture and, and so many different genres, you know, I decide what's cool and what's not, what I want to read and what I don't read. And the fact that to all the fans out there that um, out of all the things out there, they still have um, a soft spot or they still have a, a loyalty or fondness for turtles. And, and it's them that keeps this opportunity going, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, that's, man you know, you know last ronin when it came out we hoped we'd sell as as much as the original comic series was was selling at that time at idw and then have it go like it blow up yeah. yeah so it's really you know i love my job i hope to keep earning it and um having a great time so it's uh, but it comes down to the fans deciding well i think they've spoken after 35 years i think of, of being in the uh pop culture consciousness i don't know if it's going anywhere at this point um yep. It does speak volumes, though, because, I mean, I I recently went back a couple months ago and reread the original. um, I've got, like, the classic edition in color, went and bought it, read it. Um, I hadn't read it in a long time, and it's it's really – in a lot of comics, especially from that time, um, don't always age well because, you know, the medium is changed the way you read comics, the way they're paced. Um, And I was really, really impressed at how well that initial issue – um, still holds up given current like current um, trends in in comic books, um, and then also the breadth of creativity from you know issue one to I think it's issue by five. They're in space and on the tri- You know, you're like this is a you know it's just so fun to see people doing you know no editorial oversight, just literally doing something that was from a purely creative standpoint. Thanks. No, that was, we were very lucky. And now, so as we, we, you know, uh, being the, um, the creators, the owners, the, the editors, the publishers, the, the secretary, you know, we ran every aspect of the business, but so whatever, you know, the roadmap was, was wide open, whatever we wanted to put in those stories, um, yeah. was something that we wanted to read. And that was sort of our barometer. That was our approach, you know, like, you know, I'll tell people like, um, one of the ideas I had for issue three was doing a car chase in a comic. Yeah. And Pete was like, what's wrong with you? You know, nobody does a car chase in a comic. I said, that's exactly why we're doing yeah. it. <laughs> and I want to do a car chase and make it work. In yeah. the comic. And so it was really, what an incredible gift to uh, be able to, to do that and see how it works. Cause we were still figuring it out. We were still figuring out how to draw and tell a story and, and make all those pieces fit together. So, but man, what a, I, I love those early issues for all that they were and every, you know, like I'm the guy that's misspelled Michelangelo's name, stuff like that. I couldn't spell my way out of a paper bag. <laughs> you know. Well, well, yeah. that's kind of the purity of it, though. You know, you have that like those real human moments. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, given how how again, how big this thing has gotten for you guys, you know, um, do you ever you know, obviously, again, you say it's such a blessing, obviously, you know, the dream. But given where it came from, out of this pure, just creative standpoint, do you ever have any uh, regrets? Maybe the wrong word, but um, wish you could have just purely created that and it not became this monster that was, you know, at times a little bit out of your hands and sometimes literally out of your hands. Um, but something, you you know, like what would you have done if you could have just kept creating this, fostering this? child i guess no it's, a, it's also another very good question because i think it would have been exactly that um you know even when um you know when i, I mentioned earlier because you know i had sold my rights um probably mm-hmm. 20 years ago um to pete and then pete sold the biocom and then they brought me back in in 2010 to yeah. start consulting on this stuff and that was kind of a a great 
moment in that um, all the business stuff went away. Mm-hmm. Um, now I was just working on the creative stuff. Sure. And I think if that had have not, you know, um, yeah, I worked, I went back, you know, Tom Watson, uh, an incredible team of artisans. We did a hundred issues plus we're up coming up on, I just did a cover for issue 144 yesterday. Yeah. Um, but it was, um, all about the creativity, but I think if that's what it would have, um, probably stayed with, um, had none of the other stuff happened. Cause I would have both Pete and I would have worked in comics in some form sure. or another, and if the turtles were working and we could continue doing issues just for the pure creativity of doing it. We would have done just that, um, stuck with it and, and kept creating. But it is funny. It came kind of full circle. <laughs> so but from probably 2000, 2010, 11 on to today, um, it's just been solely creative. Um, that's great. Drawing, drawing and, and enjoying every minute of it. So that's got to feel good to have that other pressure off and just be able to truly, um, you know, d- d- do it the way you want to do it. So, um, well, I know we're limited on time and you got to get out of here, uh, um, Kevin, but I appreciate you being here. Before we go, uh, one quick last question. Uh, gun to your head, favorite of the four Ninja Turtles? <laughs> um, you know, the obvious answer you'd imagine would be, you know, they're all my children and love them all dearly and equally. Yeah. Um, but knowing in my family, my mom always loved me the best and, and not my sister's. Um, it's a joke. Um, <laughs> no, the uh, uh, we love them all. Um no, and I always say when fan would say, well, you know, who would you choose if you had to and why? And I would say um, probably Michelangelo because he's not only he's the first turtle ever drawn. Um, oh, yeah, so he's, yeah. Yeah, he's firstborn. As I said, again, love them equally, but if I had to choose one, I'd go, I guess, with four, firstborn just because. Um, and But also that was um, the very same reason for choosing um, Michelangelo for last Ronin. It was, he was the, you know, first choice to be the last Ronin for all the reasons, um, of his character personality, but also firstborn. Um, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this best of luck and I can't uh, wait to see as a, as a child of the eighties, I love seeing this still going on in a, in a grown up fashion for me too, still. So I appreciate you. Thank you. My pleasure. Nice talking with you today. (laughs) Cowabunga. (laughs) 